Hey guys, Anna Victoria here, and I'm so excited for you to join me on my podcast, Your Best Life. I'm the CEO and founder of the FitBody app, a fitness influencer, and a personal trainer. Every week, I'm going to have a special guest that will share their unique experience and unique story to share how they learned how to live their best life, even if they're still working on it, since we are all a work in progress. I can't wait to help you learn how to create your best life. Welcome back to another episode of Your Best Life with Anna Victoria and Luca. Hello, everyone. So today our guest is Jenna Wolf, who is a journalist and personal trainer who appeared on NBC's Today Show from 2007 to 2015 as a correspondent and Sunday co-anchor. She's the author of 2015's Thinner in 30, Small Changes That Add Up to Big Weight Loss in Just 30 Days, and she's currently the co-host of FS1's First Things First. So, Luca, what are you interested in hearing Jenna and I talk about today? Oh, definitely interesting in hearing about her career overall, how she got yeah. into sports, you know. And also, you know, she was born in Jamaica. And so as a, a multicultural uh, woman, you know, how was her career and if they even yeah. helped her career or not? Right. Yeah, I think that also because she's in sports, like that's something that right. is really interesting to me because... You don't see many women in sports and the ones that you do, like probably they just don't get the same type of respect that men do. And she has, you know, really kind of pioneered anchoring and hosting as a woman in in a male dominated field. So um, that in addition to her fitness journey, she's someone that's kind of lived um, a life full of fitness. And I and I want to talk about, you know, any challenges that she's faced as well. So can you ask her what she thinks about the morning show on Apple TV? I really oh want God. to know if, yeah. <laughs> if she thinks it's yes. accurate or it's some, somewhat like real in the real industry. Yeah. For those who don't know, the morning show is a show on Apple TV. We watched it pretty, pretty shortly after it came out got addicted very quickly and it is about the like uh journalism and like the that whole industry like it kind of mimics the the today show in a way or all the news outlet the, all the, the news, news outlets yeah with you know scandals that they have very publicly faced so okay i will ask her about that for you luca <laughs> otherwise you. um guys here is my conversation with jenna wolf Hi, Jenna. How are you? Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, this is, it's such pleasure. I, I have been following you on Instagram, so it's nice to actually put a um, personality to the face, oh. and I'm, I'm glad we're actually finally getting a chance to chat. Thank you so much. Do you want to start by sharing with everyone who you are and what you're about? Sure. Uh, my name is Jenna Wolf. I will work backwards. I'm the host of First Things First. It's a daily morning sports talk show on Fox Sports One. Uh, I've been doing that for a couple years. Before that, I was at the Today Show. I was the lifestyle and fitness and health and wellness correspondent there. And then I was doing sports for 13 years prior. So I've been in TV for 167 years or so it feels. <laughs> and uh, fitness is as important to me as what I do. And I've been a certified personal trainer in and out of my journey through television. So it's sort of accompanied me along the way. So you graduated with a degree in English and French, is that correct? Yes, I grew up in the Caribbean. I grew up, I was born in Jamaica. I grew up in Haiti, in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. We spoke French down there. I knew I wanted to be on television in some capacity. I always knew that writing was gonna help me 
So I had some, you know, a little clairvoyance to major in English, and then I would be able to hone my writing skills. And it turned out I got into reporting, so it, it did actually help me. The French has never come in handy, so just making <laughs> sure you know that. Yeah, I mean, a great life skill to have, you know, no matter what. But because uh, yeah, that's what I was, was going to ask is where do your majors, how did that tie into journalism and into your career? Yeah, well, so I, I got into sports right away. I became a sportscaster right outside of college. And every three months, maybe a hockey player would come into town who came from Canada and nobody could understand God. what he was saying. And I was like, Bonjour, je peux parler français. <laughs> so I was able to go in. So what, what did it do for me? I was able to interview a hockey player every once in a while. But for the most part, it's there you go. such an important skill to be able to, you know, communicate in yet another language. My husband is born and raised from Rome, Italy. So I speak uh, Italian, not fluently, I'd say like 70%. But, um, you know, since I lived there with him for a few years and since we moved back, you know, I've lost it a little bit, but I'm actually currently uh, 38 weeks pregnant tomorrow. Wow. So we're going to have our first. And so, you know, talking about, you know, speaking another language, like we want to teach our, our daughter, you know, and then our eventual other children to speak Italian and hopefully to have as much of that culture as possible. So you seem like you are very multicultural. So you have kind of, you know, a few different uh, cultural influences in your life. What do you primarily identify as? All or none. I, there's no, that's such a, <laughs> such a great question. My dad is Puerto Rican. Well, he was born and raised in Puerto Rico, yeah. met my mom. She's in the United States, American from New Jersey. Then they moved to Jamaica. They had me, they had my brother. Then we moved to Haiti. So it's this really interesting, fun mix of like Spanish and Creole and Jamaican. Yeah. And it all kind of blends together. And I think I think we're in this sort of day and age now where we don't only identify as one anymore. I mean, I'm just a hybrid of the right. beautiful, wonderful life in the Caribbean yeah. and then whatever's going on up here as well. So I think if you could pass that along to your daughter, just that that Italian influence. And my advice would be to get like an Italian nanny if you're going to have help at home while you're working so that she's constantly yeah. speaking Italian to, to your daughter. I think that's a huge help. We did that with our children. Yeah. Oh, that, I was just going to ask if you've passed any of the language on to your little ones. Yeah. So not French, of course, because uh, yeah. we live in, <laughs> in New York City and we felt like if there is going to be a second language to learn Spanish is, is a really good one. So we actually took a big chance and we got a nanny who didn't speak any English yes. and only spoke to the kids in Spanish from birth. And our girls understand fluent Spanish now. Wow. It's really amazing. You, it, kids are just so, they're sponges and they'll pick up absolutely anything you give them. Yeah. I'm sure you're getting a ton of advice, but the more you can expose them to no, I love it. everything, See what yeah. sticks, you know, and let them mold themselves into like little bits of you and your husband. It's really fun to watch that. The plan is for my husband, Luca, to speak only Italian to her. I'll speak only English. Originally, the plan was his mom was going to come from Italy for a few months, but because of coronavirus, you know, that can't happen anymore. And my mom actually moved to Mexico when I was 10. And uh, so she speaks primarily Spanish. She's her, her husband is from Mexico and doesn't speak very much English. So like we were hoping to have like Spanish from my mom, you know, Italian from the other grandma, but you know, 
coronavirus threw a little bit of a wrench in our plans, but you know, we'll figure it out. It'll be okay. Good. So, uh, so were you always a sports fan growing up or into fitness? Always. I I mean, I, I joke, I used to joke all the time. I came out of the birth canal and I was like mid burpee. (laughs) I mean, I was literally mid burpee. Oh my gosh. And it wasn't influenced by anything. My parents aren't particularly athletic. My brother is not particularly athletic. It was so important to me. And and I was, and I was gifted with this abundance of energy as a young kid. And I loved the concept of moving your body in certain ways that when you're little, it's playtime. So fun playtime. And then as you you get older, um, I came to this realization one day, and we can talk about it, that you have this incredible ability to change your own body. It is the only thing on planet Earth that we actually can control. Uh, And it takes work and discipline and time and all of it. But if it's something you know you can do, how wonderful of an ability to be able to do it. Um, And that's how I sort of got into it later. But yeah, I was always a really super athletic kid growing up. I loved sports and I loved running around. So it was a natural transition for me later in life. Yeah. Well, and you said that it it was a sort of a gift, which it really is, because I think not many people have that with you know, just it being coming so natural. It did not come natural to me at all. I mean, I will say I played sports in high school. Like I played softball, like I was active, but it's like kind of like, cause when in high school, you know, you do, you keep yourself busy to stay out of trouble. That's what I was yep. doing pretty much, you know, but then you get into college and you fall into, you know, kind of not so great habits. So, and I feel like right now with the coronavirus, the pandemic and everything, it's kind of mimicking those transitionary weird moments in our life where our routine is kind of all thrown, you know, for a loop. So do you have, first of all, how has it been for you in regards to your own kind of active lifestyle um, routine? And then what advice do you have for people that are in the current situation? So much advice and so, so much of an opportunity to take advantage of what you really want and what's really important to you because it's incredibly easy to just say, well, gyms are closed. That's it. Right. Um, But I have, and I did this at the Today Show when I was there, is if you can come up with a way to not rely on anything, to not rely on weights or a gym or machines or, you know, a 30-day plan that you have to subscribe to and get every single, whatever it is, if you can find a way to be sort of athletically or fitness-wise sustainable. So, I mean, I'm 125 pounds. I, I'm gifted with 125 pounds of my own weight that I can use as, you know, as however I please. So I came up with these little workouts that you could do before coronavirus hit, obviously, uh, in hotel rooms. If you're waking up in the morning and the baby's in the other room and you only have 15 minutes, like how can you make the most of the time you have? Just really creative right you know, ways that you could fit working out into, like when I was on maternity leave, all the different ways you could fit it into actually being at home. And then it turned into me falling in love with all the things you can actually do with your body. I mean, I am right now, and I'll just, I'm happy to say it because I work so hard at it. I mean, I'm, I'm low percent body fat, high, high, you know, muscle mass. And that is never from lifting a weight. It's all from doing things you can do at home using a wall or a chair, or, I mean, if I tell you anything. And so I think for people that have taken advantage of that during this time of being quarantined, using what you have around the house, letting your kids watch you, using some of their fun toys, backyard, back room, whatever it is, yeah. you're forced to write to really like focus on what you have. Sometimes you feel like you've just got it, you know, you, you took advantage too much or you took for granted rather too much going to a 
fancy gym with all kinds of equipment. Right. You don't work nearly as hard as you do in a small room when you only have 35 minutes and you want to pack as much in. Right. A lot of times home workouts or body weight workouts are way more exhausting yes. and physically demanding than those lifting workouts. Um, I created the Fit Body app and I have three workout programs. One is lifting, but one is high intensity, all body weight. And a lot of times women will have their partners join them and they oftentimes are like, I have to give you a lot of credit because these are way more difficult than my lifting workouts, you know? Yep. So, and I think also, especially in this time when like mental and emotional stressors are at an all time high with kind of the situation we're all in the mental and emotional benefits that comes with moving your body. Um, for you, do you feel like that's a big part of your own personal journey? A hundred percent. I think people underestimate how much working out does for you mentally. I mean, people have this yeah. idea and it, rightfully so. Sure, sculpt your body, change your body, feel good about your body, it's healthy for your body. It, it probably does as much, if not more, for your head and your mind and your state of well-being and your state of sanity. I think we're all in this really stressed out place right now where who knows if you have kids, are they going back to school? If you don't have kids, am I bringing a kid into the world at this time? If, right. Whatever the stress is, I find that an hour to myself every day where I am, and I, I don't just do it myself. So I, I started working out with my best friend over uh, FaceTime and Zoom, and then she joined and added her friend. And now there's like five of us every day. And I, I've put together like this book of workouts that I do with my friends. And for all five of us who are in five different places in our lives, it's this like incredible moment of Zen, but like hardcore moment of Zen where we all get together, no family, no stresses, no thoughts of anything other than being present, focus on something and sweat all of it out. And when we are done, yeah. it's like, it, you're so, it's like this anvil is lifted off your shoulders. You're, you feel so good. The sweat is so cathartic and therapeutic. And every day we say to each other, that was amazing. And we never want to start. And we're always so happy we did. I always say nobody in the history of planet Earth and humankind has ever, ever regretted working out. No one's ever said, oh, I can't believe I just burned calories and got stronger. <laughs> I can't believe I just did. Nobody does. So yeah. if you can find a way to do it, and I promise you, I'm as busy, Anna, as you are, as everyone is. We're so busy. We're juggling a thousand things. I can right. find time. I promise you, anybody can find time. You know that. This is what you preach. Right. And I, it's really a form of self-care, but it's also, you know, really important that they look at it that way and not just purely as a means to, you know, achieve aesthetic goals. Not that I think that there's anything wrong with aesthetic goals, but that's usually what it's, it usually it's more of a short lived kind of goal. The long term is really like, like you were saying that, you know, Anvil, the weight lifted off your shoulders. When you were explaining about coming together and you guys, you know, sweating it out and it being therapeutic, it literally made me take a deep, like, like breath, like, oh, that sounds so amazing because it is therapeutic. And I think that it's just so important that people realize that that's really what it's about, you know, versus you know, like just beating your body into the ground because you were told that you had to look a certain way, you right. know? Um, so how about in terms of becoming the first female sportscaster in Philadelphia, which is a pretty passionate sports town. Yes. Um, what was that experience like for you? And did you get any pushback from men for covering sports? So, you know, when I first started out, I really could have gone two avenues. I was either going to be a reporter or I was going to be a sports reporter. And there was just such a 
that natural organic connection. I was so athletic. I might as well cover sports, even though I didn't really know much about it. And I had done these great internships. I was so blessed at the Today Show and at Dateline and at ABC. And boy, I asked a ton of people pretty high up who had made it. And I said, well, give me some advice. What do you think? And almost all of them said, it's almost too hard to be a sportscaster. You're going to be I mean, this was at the time, you're going to be a bit of an outcast. Athletes aren't going to take you that seriously. It's going to be too much of an uphill battle always for you. You're never going to make inroads. Um, I loved that. I was like, fantastic. Bring it on. (laughs) Bring it on. Like, that's that's exactly what I wanted to hear. I, I didn't want the easy road. Back when I was graduating college and I had all this energy and ambition, um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it was easy. It, it was definitely an uphill battle. Yeah. There were definitely struggles. It was a lot of, at the time when I broke in, convincing athletes, you know, that you should take me as seriously as the four guys standing to my left and the four to my right. Um, and being in Philadelphia was definitely like walking right into fire to start there. But um, yeah. when you do something really, really hard, even if you don't fully accomplish it, if you can chip away at whatever this large, you know, mountain of, of challenge is, there's something so rewarding that it begets, you know, that success begets more success, begets more success. And, and you, and you have this drive and you're born with drive or, or, you know, you try to learn it, but if it's not inside you, this like, go ahead, say no to me. Oh, go ahead. Try. No, no, no. Do it. Do it. Say no. I, I live <laughs> off your no. So I lived off so yeah. many no's, Anna. I really did. Um, and I think you have to. And then, you know, as if Philly wasn't enough, I decided to come do sports in New York City, which is as hard as Philly was. It was it was even harder in New York. And again, you know, I, I, I loved the challenge. I loved being the only woman in a locker room. I loved being the only woman at the end of a game asking questions. Now, of course, you know, we it's so many more women that you see covering sports and it's lovely to see it. But when I first started, there were really not that many. So it's We've come a long way. So something that you said, I think is really interesting about like, tell me no, like, please keep telling me no, and I'm going to prove you wrong. I think this is such an important thing to acknowledge that can be such a great driver for, for some people. Because I feel like today we're kind of in an age where people don't want to be criticized. They don't want to be told they can't do something or that everyone can do everything. And there's absolutely merits to some parts of those conversations, but I am very similar to you. Um, maybe not to your level. I don't know, (laughs) but you know, I like, I, I want to prove people wrong. And I think that if we don't challenge people in that way, like we're really kind of missing out on like really pushing people and lighting a fire kind of under their booty, you know, to, for them to push themselves out of their comfort zones and to be challenged and to want to prove people wrong. So it just depends on the person and kind of how your personality and how you react. But I think just the overall sentiment that sometimes, I guess you can call them trolls or haters or whatever. I don't like referring to them as that, but you know, like I think that it's okay to sometimes take inspiration from that and want to prove people wrong. Well, I think that for me at least, and a lot of, a lot of coaches will say this, um, but it really applies to life, is that, at least in my case, I learn so much more from failure than I do from success, right? So yes. I, when you yes. fail at something, you learn how to not do it again. When you do something really well, okay, so you did it. Did you did you get better at it? Did you really learn anything? Was there growth? Like, was there growth inside and outside? Maybe, maybe not. But for people that are closed 
to hearing criticism or mm-hmm. um, advice or w- whatever it is. People who are close to that don't ever achieve the growth that you see from people who are open. Tell me, tell me how I can do better. Even though I've been doing this for so long, if you know a way I can do right. better, I'd love to hear it. That's why I even, I said to you, I'm like, you're probably getting a ton of advice from everyone about um, your soon to be lovely daughter. Um, <laughs> but if there's something small that you can take away from me and you're open to it, it's such a beautiful part of who you are. People who are able to open up and say, I am this age and I've done this many things in my life and like I'm great at fitness, but if there's a way you can teach me how to do it better and I can still get better, we're all a work in progress. No one's done. Those are the people that are actually going to really truly achieve that sort of self-actualized growth. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that there's just, there's a lot of, um, like you said, like don't criticize or don't have a conversation that opposes, you know, kind of my long held views, but I feel like having those tough conversations, getting uncomfortable and obviously respecting, you know, the fact that there can be differing opinions is where like, that is where true change and like beauty, the the beautiful part of being human and connecting and finding different things that work of where that all comes from. And I think it's so important to have those really tough conversations. And so Anyways, I I appreciate that you tap into that. And I think it's something that women should do more. I feel like women are almost afraid to say, like, you know, to take criticism and to say, you know what, I'm not going to let that define me and I'm going to prove you wrong. Unfortunately, a lot of times they, they, they do let it overtake them and kind of keep them from going after their dreams. So, no, I was just going to say, you know, you're, you don't know it yet, but I, so I had both of my babies while I was on the Today Show. So I basically opened my life up. We, I mean, we Skyped from the hospital bed. I mean, they introduced the baby and we talked, we went back and forth. And then they almost, they were raised sort of on social media. You know, I had pictures and the, yeah. my Today Show audience, they're fierce and they're lovely and they're strong. And and if they love you, boy, you've got fans for life. And so they are there. And And within that, sort of folded into that, there's a lot of, Oh, you're breastfeeding for that long or, oh, you're using that type of diapers or, oh, that's an interesting way of, why do you think she has an ear infection or, oh, I can't believe you're, you know, you're wearing that kind of baby carrier. So there's a ton of that that comes along with something as simple and innocent and lovely, as beautiful as sharing this newborn with the world, which you're going to soon see. I mean, your life is going to change and you have to be, and obviously you are, just from talking to you for a few minutes, you could tell you are, able to discern between what is healthy advice and what is people who don't know what they're talking about and what's not going to make your life any better. And you're going to, like, as much as you've heard um, from people uh, just based on what you look like and the fitness that you've put out there, it is a whole new ball game once you have a daughter. And I don't know if you're going to share her on social media, but you will get those people and you seem to be smart enough to be able to kind of separate, you know, separate the two. Yeah, you know, actually, this is a, a great topic because you're so right. And I'm only getting a taste of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I should say it's a great topic because it's kind of an unfortunate topic. The I fact know. that we have to deal with, you know, all that, you know, criticism. But it, it's so important, like you said, to be able to discern from what is healthy advice or information. And even if there is some form of constructive criticism, it's really important to take that. And uh, but hopefully not to to internalize it too much to where it affects your mental well-being. 
but I actually got, um, I posted on my, uh, I have two pages. So I have my Anna Victoria like fitness page. And then I have a smaller, like kind of family page and it's just called Anna and Luca. I mean, my husband, and that's where I post more kind of about my pregnancy journey, my, my infertility journey, my IVF journey and everything. And, um, I posted, Oh, I'm working on my birth plan. And I got a, a reply. There were several that were like, oh, this is so great. Where'd you get this birth plan? Because it was like a very visual representation of everything. And I want to say, I'm not going into this as though this is going to be the plan. It's more preferences. It's more like me Love educating it. myself about Brilliant. what the possibilities are because that plan will probably go out the window. And I'm personally okay with that. Good for you. But I want to be educated, you know, about what all <laughs> is going to be, you know, a part of this birthing process. So... But I got a reply and uh, it was from someone that said, as a labor and delivery nurse, no, every time someone comes in with a birth plan, uh, something horrible goes wrong. And I was like, that is a horrible message to be sending as a labor and delivery nurse to a first time mom telling me, pretty much implying that like me bringing this in means that I'm going to have a horrible birth experience. And That was honestly the first time, like you said, I've always been really good at discerning between someone who is just projecting their own kind of insecurities or their own fears or life experience on me in a negative way, you know, from someone who like might actually have good advice. But that was the first time that I was like, oh, this actually makes me kind of want to not share as much because this is such a sensitive time in my life that like, I don't want to be told pretty much implying that this is going to, you know, result in a, in a poor, horrible birth experience. So I, I'm just starting to get a taste. <laughs> of- I'm going to tell you what my guys on the show tell me. Um, little known secret, uh, during commercial breaks, no matter where I've been, whether it was at the Today Show, I was at ABC before that, now I'm at Fox Sports. During commercial breaks, you, you can't help it. You go on Twitter, you just kind of look to see if you, well, yeah. what, what did they thought of that segment, or if they liked the show, so mm-hmm. or whatever. And the guys tell me all the time, because I'll be like, oh, you know, love your hair, love your shirt, love what you had to say, oh, that was a really <laughs> good point, or what are you talking about? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And that's the only thing that affects me. And they say, don't right. read your mentions, not during the show. And if you do, don't you? So I guess what I'm going to say to you is it's going to be that magnified by a thousand. Yeah. You know, you are a very, you know, you're a very public figure. Look at your, your followers on social media. People know who you are. They want to know more about you. <laughs> and people feel like if you're letting me in, I have the right to be able to tell you anything I want. No, you don't. And it's right. it's it should come in one ear and out the other, this stuff that's because this is gonna be your life and your journey with your daughter, you and Luca. You do do not change, you know, the course of how you guys want to raise your kid. And you know all this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but all I'm saying is, you know, I had to learn pretty quickly to be able to funnel some of the bad stuff out and be able to be okay with it and ignore it. You're gonna have to do the same thing. But it's just a part of the age we live in right now. Right. And, you know, I, but I will say that it's, it's just a different experience because I'm so used to getting comments about my body or even if if it's something I said, if I didn't use the right words and like, I, I, I'm fine with those. Like I'm fine having a conversation. I'm very big on, you know, like I said, having those tough discussions, if we have to agree to disagree, I think that that's a very important thing to be able to do, you know, but when it comes to your pregnancy and your baby, oh, it's, it's on a different level. So I'm definitely, I'm going to have to kind of, yeah, dig deep back into, you know, (sighs) separating, you know, that, that advice. So, um, 
So what I would like to ask about, if it's okay, is that you came out um, publicly at the same time as announcing your pregnancy. So what was that experience like for you? Uh, So that was actually a really interesting experience. I was three and a half months pregnant and uh, I was sort of, I was at a crossroads at the Today Show. It was either let people think that I've let myself go and I was just gaining weight for no reason or... I got pregnant and I was going to be raising a baby on my own, unmarried, or the right answer is just tell people who you are, how you're living your life, be proud of it, move on, let everybody in or they can leave and we move forward. Uh, And very clearly it was option C. Um, The Today Show was great. We did it the right way. We partnered with People Magazine and they did a profile and, and we went on TV you know, you have a commercial break and then you come back from a commercial break and you know that you have 30 seconds, 45 seconds, a minute, whatever it is to say it. So there's no ums and ahs and um and well, there's no backstory. It's just here we are. Let's just do it. And I think for me, everyone's different. For me, that was the best way I could possibly do this. I had been in a long distance relationship with my now wife, Stephanie. She was in London. So we were doing long distance to London for two and a half years, which you know, because you did that uh, in Italy. So we did that. um, And she also works for NBC News. So they brought her back and it was boom, boom, boom. Pull those Band-Aids off. It was, I am pregnant and I am in a relationship with a woman, and that woman happens to be someone you, America, know, and it's Stephanie Gosk, who's a correspondent on the show. So it was like, zang, zoom, bang, boom. It was just, everything was out there. Yeah. Oh, I just, as you're explaining it, I didn't, I didn't see this, you know, in the moment. And as you're explaining it, I'm getting so excited. And I can only imagine just like how amazing that was to share. And I, I do have to ask, unfortunately, did you get any negative reaction? Great question. I was convinced, Anna, that by the time I walked from the studio to my office, that my phone was going to be lighting up. It, just absolutely lit with, I just assumed and expected it to be just negative comments and people that were outraged. Uh, and I and I walked back to my office sort of hesitantly, and I was so proud of what I had done. And my dad wasn't 100% gung-ho about me doing this. And people were like, I hope it doesn't ruin your career. You know, there was a lot of that similar to when I was just getting into the business. Maybe you shouldn't do sports. You you might not be well-received as a woman. Maybe you shouldn't come out on national television. It might not be. And I was like, I'm sorry, is that a no? Because if that's a no, sign me up. So I walked (laughs) back to the office and uh, there was one one message, one. And I listened to it and, and I'm sorry, there was a couple, one negative message. And it was just someone that spewed a lot of hate and, and all of it. Mm. But I was like, all right, I'm going to prepare myself for a bunch of these. And that was it. And I poked my head out of the office and my assistant was there. And I said, was it, did anyone else call? And she was like, no. I'm like, I got like three or four calls. That's it. She goes, nobody cares. They're just actually happy for you. And it was so lovely. And I went home that night and I called my parents and I said, it was such a safe reception. And I think we've turned a corner as a country. No one's ever come out on a morning TV show before like this. I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to bring a baby into a world where I just told people I'm a little different than a lot of people and they were okay with it. And it was really, 
It was all, the experience was, if I could call it lovely, Anna, it was actually lovely. Oh, that's so encouraging and amazing to hear. And that's how it should be. <laughs> you know, it yes. should be like, if you share that, like, okay, cool. Good for you. You know, and, and kind of nothing, nothing more to it. You know, as long as everyone feels that they have that ability and feel empowered to just own who they are. So definitely. So on that note, we're in a, I don't want to say just a moment because it should be a movement of Black Lives Matter. And we're talking a lot about diversity of race and and for me in particular, um, something that I'm looking into in terms of the fitness industry and um, the voices that are being shared and amplified. But how about uh, diversity within sexual orientation in the fitness industry? And I guess just in, in your industry, do you feel like that is an area that we need to be working on better or do you feel like we're there? Um, as, as far as sexual orientation, I, I, I feel like we're pretty close. I mean, yeah. I could name, you know, 15, 20 people that you've heard of that are on television within the news industry that have come out. The Anderson Coopers, like, you know, the Andy Cohens, yeah. um, Robin Roberts, like there's a lot of us out there. So I, yes. I, I feel like the space is open uh, and the mat, the welcome mat has sort of been laid out and it's well received now. It's not, nobody is shell shocked when someone comes out. Nobody, there's not, you're not spewing hatred right. when they come out. Um, I think the Black Lives Matter movement needs to catch up to where this movement ha- has been. Now, don't get me wrong. There are obviously pockets where, I mean, you're just asked about my industry and that's in the news industry. I feel like we're okay. Yeah. How this does in high school with kids coming out at a young age. I think that's a conversation Within the fitness industry, I don't really know. Um, you know, I'm not as well-versed with others. I am well-versed in all people that are on TV, sort of within the, the news industry. But for the most part, I think we did it right. I think we have been become very understanding uh, and appreciative of news people opening themselves up, letting people see who they are. And that relationship has allowed them to to sort of enter our homes at night and in the morning and be a part of, you know, be a part of these people that watch TV every day in a, in a good, positive way. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's sort of how I feel right now. It absolutely does. I think that it's great to hear that you feel like you guys, you know, that it is at that point where, like you said, everyone's just kind of like, okay, cool, you know, and yeah. there's, you know, not much more to it than that. But I also wanted to ask, have you seen the show on Apple TV, uh, The Morning Show? 100%. I have seen it. I loved it. I was the, <laughs> I couldn't even wait. Like, I, 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 I was so mad that it didn't drop all at once. And I was like, well, I'll just wait until it all, and then I'll buy it. To get. No, I was like, I got to subscribe to Apple TV. Yeah. I must watch it. Um, yeah, like, are you going to ask if it was similar to what was actually happening at, yeah. Yes. <laughs> It was pretty similar. Apparently, yeah. they they had some of that script written, and then after everything dropped at the Today Show, they went back and they rewrote a lot of it to actually mimic yeah. a very parallel story to what happened uh, in real life and how that all worked out. Listen, we went very quickly from, and maybe not, we didn't stop one, but from Me Too to Black Lives Matter. Um, it doesn't mean the yeah. Me Too movement is right. is over by any stretch. We're just the focus right now is on right. a, you know on different something. Well, it was actually like Me Too and then coronavirus and then Black Lives Matter. But still, right. you know, I think that there still needs to be a focus on women feeling comfortable to be able to do their best work without yep. harassment on any level. And I, I, you know, I'd love to say that doesn't exist anymore. 
but it does. It definitely still exists. And if it yeah. didn't, you wouldn't have shows like Morning Show as popular as it is. And I think that's some place where, at least in our industry, we need to get better with. Yeah, I, well, I think in oh, almost every industry, sure. mankind, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, I mean, but it starts with people sharing their stories. And, yeah. you know, I think that that, you know, there has been progress, but, you know, definitely still a lot to be made. So so how about the culture around sports um, and fitness? Do you feel like it's evolved from when you first started uh, your sports coverage to today? Oh, for sure. Uh, everything's evolved. The athlete has evolved. Our bodies have evolved. What we can do with our bodies and as a result, how good athletes are on the field and as a result, how much they're getting paid and as a result, advertising is up and as a result, commercials and everything begets everything else. But I mean, we are at a time and you probably know this. I think the human body, we're now, I mean, as strong as we've ever been, as flexible as we've ever been, as capable as putting up weight, running, you know, speed like you've never seen, jumping these athletes that are able. And so it's, it's for, for me, it's making my job so much more exciting to be able to watch these young kids come up who are just so gifted and talented. As far as the, the fitness industry goes, I'm a, I'm just, you want to know what I do in my downtime is I follow random people on Instagram who are capable or putting these little like home <laughs> workouts on that can do, you know, like pistol squats into a box right. jump into like, you know, one handed burpee back oh into a pistol gosh. squat. I, I'm so impressed and fascinated by what the human body can do and what the human body is willing to try to do. I mean, five years ago, we weren't doing some of these things. So uh, like I said, I said this earlier on and I say it again, what what attracted me so much to, to the world of fitness is I played volleyball in high school. And even though I'm 5'5", I've got these really strong, I told you I was born with a very athletic body. I've got really strong quads. I've got great height when I jump. I was able to play full rotation. Wow. Um, and I played in college. It was D3, but I played in college. And I always relied on just being so athletic. And the coach wanted to put us on a weightlifting program just to get stronger. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't need that. I'm, I'm good. She's like, no, 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 you're going to do it. You're going to do it. And I did it. And I got stronger. And when I got stronger, I got better at volleyball. And I said, wait, hang on a second. Like, so I can actually get stronger. Like I can make my body stronger and then be better at something. And when I when I put that correlation together and then eventually put the correlation together between the work you put in and the work you get out, like you really do get out of it as much as you put into it. I mean, if I want a six pack, it'll be hard. Right. And I have to change my diet and I'm going to have to, you know, eat a certain way and live my life a certain way and work out a certain way. But guess what? I can actually do it. Like if I want this to be even bigger yeah, I'll have to go on a plan and put the work and the time, but I could do it. It is that it is that one transformation, is that one thing that we can actually do. Like I can't control the weather or the traffic, what my kids are going to do in 50 seconds, but <laughs> I can control my own body. And it's hard, you know, it's so hard. You sort of went through the process. It's one of the hardest things we can do. But man, when you get over that hump and that first morning that you wake up and you look in the mirror and you're like, forget what I look like. It's not, oh, I like what I look like. It's I'm enjoying this journey. I'm enjoying the lifestyle. My head's in a good place. And so my soul is in a good place. And as a result, my body's in a good place. When you put it all together, there is no better feeling. No no matter what happens outside, if you're good and you're healthy, head to toe, inside and out, everything around you is going to be okay. Yeah. And, you know, I want to say something that I've noticed in terms of how you talk about fitness is you talk about it in such a 
uh, an empowering way and in such a pure way that it, it's there's no morality behind it. And this is something that I have to be very aware of because of my my presence and my platform on social media and the fact that I have many young women following me that I always want to to be sure to talk about fitness kind of, you know, in the way that you do where it's about empowerment and strength and look at these amazing things my body can do versus how it looks, you know, because that's where, you know, uh, disordered eating and, and just, you know, all, all those things can come into play that personally, like I'm, I always want to be really conscious of and careful about how I talk about fitness and, it's so inspiring to hear you talk about how capable the human body is because a it is, you know, and, um, and that's what it should be about. But I do also want to ask, um, a personal question is, have you ever struggled with any sort of body image or any issues with the, the aesthetic side of fitness? So, you know, it's, it's a great question, mainly because I work in an industry where it's a very subjective industry. It is all about the visual. Yeah. When I apply for a job or when I used to, I mean, their news directors will tell you they pop a tape in or they click a link and then within five seconds, they know whether they like you or they don't. Yeah. And what are they basing that on? They're basing that on what you look like and what you look like is what you look like. Uh, and I'd love to say that it doesn't matter what you look like. And unfortunately, while it shouldn't matter, there are a lot of industries that are very subjective and based on how you present yourself. I'll say that. Not what you look like, but how you present yourself. Um, and while I never really struggled with, I never had an, an, a, any sort of body dysmorphia or an eating disorder in any way, I think there has always been a little part of, while I'm on TV, my issue is I'm, I'm a little too muscular. I, I build muscle mass very, very quickly. And there was a period of time where I wanted to look like thinner, a little more toned, not as big and bulky, but just, uh, and I tried to do everything. I was like, I, you know, I tried to reduce my calorie intake and I would try to, uh, change the way I worked out and I lifted less weight and, and then I stopped and I said, but this is not what makes me happy. This is not who I am. Yeah. You know, I, I, I have to, th there has to be a healthy balance between what you see in me and whether you'll hire me and what makes me happy. Because if I'm not happy, right. you won't want to hire me anyway. So for my industry, it's a little bit different. Um, but I think, I think there's, a, you know, I, I, I think everyone's got a, a shade of body dysmorphia. I think we all look at our, ourselves, maybe not as grand as our partner will look at us or, well, I could fix this. Whereas I'm sure nine out of 10 people would say, there's nothing wrong with this. I don't see anything. Yeah. Uh, and that's totally. normal. And I want to say to women, like, it's okay. Like, you can have parts. Like, I'm a human. There's parts of me that I want to look better. Yeah. And as long as I don't take it too far, and as long as it doesn't become an obsession and something that, that changes the course of, of how I approach other parts of my life, then, you know, I'm okay with it. And I manage yeah. that. Have you, did, have you gone through that? You know, I, I have to say like, I'm very lucky that like, I never had any like body dysmorphia or eating disorders. Um, you know, I just, for me, my, my fitness journey started from a place of, I was having a lot of health issues, GI digestive issues. Cause I grew up eating fast food my whole life and I loved it. And you know, so that my journey really did start there. And I did start in the beginning of my journey admiring the the aesthetic side of it I was proud but but kind of like what you were saying I was so proud because I never believed my body could physically change or I believed that the amount of effort it required was not going to be worth it and it was worth it 
as much as I, I promote and I talk about fitness, you know, first and foremost being about mental and emotional, and I do absolutely believe that, I don't think it's a bad thing to appreciate the physical side of it, right. but it's not in the context of, oh, look at me, I'm skinny. <laughs> you know, it's more like, look at what my body can do, you know, yeah. just, just like you were saying. I will say, being pregnant for the first time, you know, this is definitely my first time since starting my fitness journey of my body changing and growing. Um, and I, I am truly okay with it because I, I mentioned I did IVF, you know, we struggled to conceive and now I'm just like, I just thank God that I'm pregnant, period. Not to say that that means that I need to, you know, ignore any struggles that I'm having. Like you can still honor and acknowledge that you're struggling with your body and be grateful to be pregnant at the same time. Um, but I think that honestly, I'm kind of in it right now to where I don't really know kind of how, I think that postpartum is going to be the ultimate kind of, I don't want to say test, the test isn't the right word, but you know, the, the scenario where I'm really going to see kind of just how I handle that. And I know that hormones are going to play a role in that. So I think one thing that if I have to say and toot my own horn that I do really good at is I go really easy on myself. Mm. I always have. I don't let myself get get into too negative of a, of a headspace and I think that I will be able to carry that through my postpartum journey. But again, hormones, we'll see. <laughs> Who knows? So so yeah, that's kind of what where I'm at with it. I really enjoyed, I don't know how your pregnancy has been, but I enjoyed the release that came with being pregnant. The release that there was no pressure to have to eat perfectly. There was no pressure yes. to have to work out, uh, you know, as hard as I was. It was... Let me let this beautiful thing inside me grow. Let me give it this freedom. The less anxiety I could put into my body, you know, from the outside, the better off this baby is going to be. And once I got through the the tough first trimester um, of morning sickness and all of it, it, there was this really sweet sort of, and no one really knows it. No one can tell you about it. No one explains it to you. But, you know, like for these nine months, you know, even though your husband is a part of this baby, like this is you, you're carrying this baby. It's you and her, just the two of oh, you yeah. bonding. You're giving that baby everything she needs. It's, you know, everything that, that you do and think and eat and breathe and want and conceive and all of it sort of filters in. And it's this like beautiful release time that I, I appreciate it. I almost wish I appreciated it more. And it sounds like from what you're saying, like you're getting a, a little taste of that. And enjoy it because it's almost up. You, you're, you're just about there. I truly am. And I never knew how I was going to react, you know, like uh, with my, my habits, working out and eating in my, in my first pregnancy. Um, and I didn't want to put pressure on myself one way or the other. But um, I have to say, you know, I definitely have been, I don't want to say indulging, but like I'm just allowing myself to just kind of eat what feels good in the moment with still prioritizing protein and whole natural foods, you know, but like it is nice to not have to be conscious of aesthetics at all. Just honestly, being someone that is on social media, that's body is always on display and right. being looked at and looked to even for motivation. That was probably the hardest thing for me was feeling like I'm not going to be like motivational to my followers anymore because I feel like that's a responsibility of mine. But I think that owning your body in a time when it's changing, like that is, that's motivational, you know, and that's something that women need to see. For sure. Uh, let me tell you this little story. My whole, from when I started at the Today Show, so, I mean, that was like 2007, I want to say, 
The only thing I wanted to do, I mean, obviously, besides being on the Today Show, was be on The Biggest Loser. I wanted to be a trainer on The Biggest Loser. So oh. I was in, in incredible shape and ready to be on The Biggest Loser and certified and had done everything 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013. I'm like, well, it's never going to happen. Uh, I get pregnant. Life is grand. I'm seven and a half months pregnant. I'm a balloon. I get a call. Biggest loser. We'd love you to come out and be a celebrity trainer, like as a guest. You know, Today Show, NBC, biggest. I was like, I looked down at this gigantic belly. Oh and I said, gosh. no, 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 no. Well, you know, so you know, I have a... It's, I'm, you know, uh, it's, I'm in, uh, they're like, it's going to be great. I'm like, you know, for like nine years, I've been trying to get on the show when I didn't have the baby. They're like, don't worry, it's going to be great. So I packed up and I head out and uh, I did the show and I, well, I, getting ready to do the show and I felt terrible about myself. I'm like, how am I going to motivate anybody? I'm, I'm 400 pounds. I mean, I'm walking around like a walrus. I, I'm going to get out there and tell these other people like, hey, do this and I can't do it. And I was sad for like a split second that this thing that I've always wanted to do, I now have to do it with this big belly. You, you should, if you Google it, you'll see uh, what I looked like on there. Yeah, and, uh, I'm going to. <laughs> and I walked out and it was like me and, and Bob Harper and a couple other folks. And, uh, and I looked at these guys and I started talking. And for a split second, I forgot what I was going through. I forgot I was pregnant. I forgot that I was carrying a baby. I forgot mm-hmm. that I'm going to have like 50 pounds to lose afterwards. And it was just this wonderful connection. Uh, the, the Going back to the thing that I do organically, which is help people, like connect with them, like explain to them, get them to realize what they have to do. I can only do so much. Like there's only so much I can do to get you to work out. And you have to meet me right. halfway. I can't do 90% of the work, but I can do 50% until you're willing to do 100 you know, and I really connected with them and I got on the floor and my big old body were doing these mountain climbers and these diagonal pulls and these squats. And it turned out to be, I am so, in hindsight now, I'm so happy I did it while I was pregnant. I did something I didn't think I could do. I didn't think I'd be good at doing. And it just goes to show you that you can motivate anyone. You can motivate anyone at any point in your journey. And the fact that you even are cognizant of being healthy while you're pregnant, Anna, is such a beautiful thing. People are going to latch on to that and say, well, if she can do it pregnant, I have to be able to do it without a baby growing inside me. So <laughs> right. that's that's the story I wanted to share with you. Oh, it's an amazing story. And I actually think that it probably was so great for people to see a pregnant woman on TV being involved in fitness and working out because I've definitely gotten a lot of people messaging me being like, are you sure that's safe? And I'm like, yes, not only is it safe, but it is so beneficial, not just for you and your body pregnant in in that current moment, but for the delivery, you know, of course, as long as there are no, you know, complications and interventions, sometimes that is outside of our control, regardless of how much you work out, but also postpartum and like your ability to hold your baby, you know, I mean, Hey, I'm saying all this, as someone who's not a mom yet, I'm hoping <laughs> that all this ends up paying off, which I, I I know it will, but it will. Anyways, this has been so, so amazing. I just have two more questions for you. Yeah. So uh, first, can you share where everyone can find and follow you? Uh, sure. So I am lucky to have gotten at Jenna Wolf across all platforms, uh, Twitter <laughs> and uh, uh, Instagram and all of it. So at Jenna Wolf, you can find my fitness stuff and my uh, ability and sometimes inability to juggle parenting and work and working out. It's all, it's all <laughs> on there. 
Um, and then uh, every morning, right now, because of coronavirus, we're down to an hour, but usually we're three hours in the morning on FS1, Fox Sports 1. So right now we're 8.30 to 9.30, but eventually we'll go back to 6.30 to 9.30 every morning. Uh, and sports is coming back, so I'm excited to talk about that. We finally have some stuff to talk about. I'm a, it's busy. It's a complicated life I'm living right now. Stephanie works. Stephanie, my wife, works all yeah. hours. My kids are loud and in your face at all times. <laughs> but um, the most beautiful thing to come out of what has been obviously a very dark time in, in our global world here with, with yeah. what's happening with the coronavirus is the fact that my children for the first time in their lives have been able to watch me every second of the day. They used to see me in the morning. I would go to work and then I would work out and then I would see all my friends and then I would make my calls and then I would come home. Now they see what me wake up. They see my work ethic getting ready for the show because we have a studio now here in the house. They see me work and do the show. They see me run and quickly throw on a sports bra. They see me run downstairs and teach people and work with people and motivate them. Like if my friend Marnie is lagging behind, yeah. we all wait for her to finish, you know, get get yourself there, Marnie. Um, yeah. They watch me do that. They watch me work really hard and then they watch me put it down and play with them. And that's the best way to, for me to give them life lessons is to just watch me do it. That's why there's so many pictures on like my Instagram account of me doing things with the girls or side by side and just watch me do it. Cause I don't explain it nearly as well as I show it. So that is sort of what right. I have taken out of this period of time. That's an amazing gift. I think that I, not to make light whatsoever of the situation that we're all in, but you know, there are silver linings that at least, you know, we can pull from it and, you know, that, that make our day a little bit brighter um, in, a, in a tough time. So you might have already answered this. I don't know. But my last question for you is uh, the name of the podcast is Your Best Life. And the point is that there's no such thing as one best life. We all have different priorities and different experiences of what is our own version of our best life. So if you had to think of one thing in your life that has allowed you to live your best life, what would that be? It, it's going to sound like a cliche, but it's my truth. Uh, and it's the, the, the most consistent thing I've ever done from, you know, being a three-year-old who used to run around the house constantly. When I can take care of myself, I can take care of other people. When I, when I can't take care of myself, I can't take care of other people. So I am at my best when I eat well, when I work out, when I take care of myself, when I sleep well, if I can do those things you get the best version of me. And the best version of me is this incredible, effervescent, tons of energy. Let's go. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to listen to you. That's the best version of me. But if I go a week and I, I have a cold or I'm sick and I can't work out and we're on the road and we have access to bad food and a couple sleepless nights, especially when the baby was first yeah. born, oh, I'm just a shell of myself. And I, I am, I am <laughs> yeah. incapable of giving you as much because I haven't given me as much. And I say this to new parents, new moms all the time. Take care of yourself. Don't forget about all the work you put in before you had the babies. Too many women right now say, oh, well, ever since I had the baby, I haven't really had the... Make the time. Don't find the time. You make right. the time. Like if Oprah Winfrey can find time and Bill Gates can find time <laughs> and Elon Musk can find yeah. time. I can find, you can find time. 
find a way to, to take care of yourself yeah. and you will see how much better everything around you is. So that's how I know that I can live my best life when I'm taking care of me. Amazing. I, I love it. And I don't think it's a cliche. I think it's the truth. And I think that we're in a moment where we're no longer, you know, in the time of the 1950s housewife that has to sacrifice everything, all of her happiness for her family and her children. You know, you can still have that same happiness and dedication to your family and children and take care of yourself. And like you said, doing that, taking care of yourself is how you're going to best take care of everyone else around you. So um, I think it's a, an amazing message. I completely agree and fingers crossed for me. I'm sure I'm sure I'll be able to do it. Um, might not be as easy as, as I think, but I'll, I'll make it happen and but listen, make time. No, no. And you don't want it to be an easy process. You want it to be a story that you tell your kid for the rest of your life. You want it to be a story that you know that you have in your pocket. Yeah. I overcame that. As long as everybody's healthy, you want to remember, remember every last detail, the good and the bad, because it's going to be that story that you're (laughs) going to tell over and over again. You're in a good place. The next time we speak, your whole life is going to be different. I'm so excited for you. Think about it. I used to call it, I'll tell you this and then I'll let, and then we'll go. I used to say BC and AD before childbirth and after delivery. So your life BC and your life AD. I used to do a lot of writing and I wrote a whole article about it. So enjoy your last few weeks of BC before it becomes AD. Oh, we are. I'm soaking up every minute of it. Good. (laughs) Jenna, thank you so much. This was so amazing and inspiring and informative. Um, Thank you so much for your time. And I hope you stay safe and healthy out there. It's my pleasure. Good luck. Enjoy the next couple of months. Thank you. All right, that was my conversation with Jenna Wolf. Luca, what did you think? That was a great conversation. I'm going to need to start using the BCAD oh, acronym before child, gosh. after delivery. It's great. <laughs> One of the best things I have heard of. Right. Yeah, our life is definitely about to change. Yeah. So I agree. That's, that's a great way of referencing the different times of your life. But for me, what I took away from that is, holy moly, she is so motivational and inspirational and just like such a go-getter and I love that she uses people who doubt her as her fuel and like I said yeah. I still feel like I I don't quite have the right words I need to marinate on this a bit more but like kind of how I was saying that a lot of times people are you know say like hey like don't don't tell them no or don't criticize them or don't tell them that they can't do something and I and yes it is important to not discourage people but like sometimes you know, if you coddle people too much, you never give them that opportunity to tap into that fuel and to to tap into having something ignite their fire. So I'm not at all saying like, hey, go have a free for all and go tell people they can't do things. So that's not it at all. I think that what I'm saying more so is for women that, okay, like we do get criticized and told we can't do things. I think that more so the message that I want to share is just to actively use that as your fuel and as your your empowerment and and encouragement to prove them wrong and not let it be something that keeps you down so i totally agree it's a beautiful message i hope you enjoyed this conversation with jenna wolf i can't wait to hear what you guys think and we'll talk to you guys next time and that is it for this week's episode if you enjoyed it i would love for you to share with a friend spread the word and help us grow our tribe please rate and leave me a review on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you listen and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes each week 
You can also follow us on Instagram and join our Facebook group, both under the same name, Your Best Life Podcast, to keep the conversation going. You can also send me an email at yourbestlifepodcast at gmail.com and you just might be featured in a future episode. Your Best Life is a Gallery Media Group original production.